Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So at the end of last week, when I announced that we were talking about the message, you said that you didn't really like this episode. Well, yeah, this was not one of my favorite episodes. And... Because I liked it. Well, I was thinking about it and watching it. The reason I think I don't like the episode is because the two guest stars, the uh, Tracy and the cop, I don't like the acting in either. I don't like either performance. And, you know, I I think the guy playing Tracy can't really handle weed and dialogue. He sounds very stilted uh, compared to the way the other characters who have been Granted, you know, speaking in this style for a while, but it does sound more natural. He he, he just doesn't seem I, – I feel like the those two and, – and the cop is just, you know, a crazy evil cop, you know. Is he re- – you know. Well, the, he, I mean, he's, a, he's very cliche the, in a way that – The resolution to the episode, I will agree with you, is a little flat. It doesn't really have a resolution. I mean, Book just does his magic – you're doing something that's a little off, and then they go away, <laughs> uh, which is fine, I guess. The end. The episode needed to end at some point. I, I just kind of wish that there had been a little more to it. I I don't know that I agree with you. I mean, I don't know the name of the actor who played Tracy. I could look it up, but but I'm not going to do that because I'm a terrible podcaster. But I I kind of see where you're going with that, but at the same time, I think that if you look at the way that the character is portrayed in the episode. Hmm. This is someone who, number one, just came out of a week-long hibernation, and number two is a character that is perhaps not as smart as the rest of them. And so I look at the way that he talks, and I look at the way that he kind of interacts with the other characters you know, in that context. I think that, yeah, I can see what you're saying about he's a little stilted, his his speech patterns are a little strange, but... Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like, to, Simon, have... for example, is awkward as hell, is very out of place, but the actor is very good, he's a very good actor, and he's very good at, you know, delivering these lines. Like, I think, again, there was this one line that he uh, has, like, I, I wrote it down, I've got ten toes just like the most of men, and he just says it very woodenly in a way that... You know, any of the other – that Mal, for example, that Nathan Fillion would have been able to roll off. Um, it's possible that the actor was terrible. I think it's also possible that he was playing someone who wasn't very charismatic, which it's, is part of the purpose of the episode. And that's part part of it too. That it, That is fair. Um, I guess part of it is because we've seen so many – we have already seen men, better villains in this series it, that this villain is not very interesting – We've seen. Bi- I don't know that he's supposed to be a villain, though. I mean, uh, an anta- He is the antagonist, and I don't know about that. I think that. I mean, the cop is the antagonist. That, no, no, the that's who I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Like, sorry, I thought you were talking about Tracy. Yeah, I don't. When you know, this is a place that's had people like the Alliance Commander from Bushwhacked, even who had a lot more presence than this guy, who's just like blustery and be. I don't know. He's cartoony in a way that this show isn't really work. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the, the cop in this episode is your your sort of bog standard sociopath, and that's not that interesting. Yeah. I mean, once you kind of reveal that someone is just evil and crazy for evil and crazy's sake, it doesn't really yeah. tell you anything about them. I, I mean, I, I think that that could have been mitigated by giving him less screen time, frankly. Sure. I, I don't think that he needs to be seen as much as he's seen in this episode. Certainly they need some sort of external threat to push the episode along and to push the plot along. But 
you know, I, I the, the whole scene in the post office seems very unnecessary I, to me. And to a degree, I think if he had followed, but he's like, I'm going to burn you. I'm not going to burn you. Don't tell anybody. Like, that's when he loses being an effective villain. This is a universe with monsters. This is, you know, Niska would have fucking burned him. And so, you know, he, he's not as good at a, of a villain as Niska. And so, well, he's Niska would have kidnapped him and tortured him for a week. But, you know, I, I, I guess to the degree of, you know, there are plot, some plots are only as good as their villains. And sure, he's a secondary character here, but it's a missed opportunity. If we're just talking about reasons, I'm giving this episode points off. Well, I mean, let's let's be frank about it. This was written by Joss Whedon and Tim Minear. And that, I think, is part of the... That is a problem, especially when you consider that the two of them are good at creating... Well, I, I, I mean, I if I'm racking my brain to go through the previous episodes of the show and... I don't think we like the Joss Whedon written episodes. Yeah, that's... And, and I, you know, and I think that the Tim Minear stuff is a lot better. I wonder if, you know, who know when when, when they co-write an episode, it's kind of like it's a credit thing. Who knows what they worked on? Yeah, you but, can, again, you can tell Whedon's cadences are are a little more in force in this. Just in 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 the term, he has very distinctive rhythms or weird uses of words. You know, usually usually what happens, I mean, as I understand it, is you know the Writers Guild is is the union that that screenwriters are in, uh-huh. TV writers are in, and you know if you have a co-writing credit, it, it essentially means that uh, one or one of the people that have given the, have been given the co-writing credit rewrote a substantial part of the script it's not like they sat down and wrote it together yeah it's a credit thing so i don't know if this script originated with joss whedon and tim Minear extensively rewrote it or vice versa i mean it's... but either way i kind of feel like you know joss whedon should write the episode or tim Minear should write the episode mm. i don't think that them working on each other's scripts really seems to to gel it almost that well. feels like because again the you know the message of the title this you know message this letter home that does sound like weed and prose. You know, a lot of the speeches that are coming sure. out of the character. So may, it almost even seems like a case of, you know, maybe he wrote several scenes and, you know, then Meneer had to create this into a plot and that's where the cop came in, for example. Well, you know, I, I, we can speculate, of course. Yeah, but it, it does make me wonder, though, you know, maybe if Joss Whedon and Tim Minear were sort of having competing ideas about what the larger yeah. themes of the show were. Because, you know, if you look at the Joss Whedon written, written episodes, which I believe were, were Serenity and, and I think he co-wrote The Train Job with Tim Minear. Yes. You know, those episodes... Which was a weak episode. Which was a weak episode. And, and they also... I think that they feature black and white to a much larger degree than any of the other episodes. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've really liked about watching Firefly this time is really noticing, you know, the world is is very gray and, and there really are no good guys and bad guys. And, you know, certainly, you know, Nishka and people like that, you could you could round up to, to an unmitigated bad guy. But for the most part, Tim Minear was, you know, again, the showrunner and seemed to be developing the show in a much more... Uh, you know, a much more uh, um, ambiguous, ambiguous direction. Yeah, ambiguous direction. And and this kind of goes back to that sort of serenity chain, train job thing where, you know, it, the, the alliance is featuring these evil sociopaths that just want to kill yeah. people. And, you know, it's not that interesting. No, it's much more interesting. Again, I keep talking about the one from the alliance commander from Bushwhacked, but... He is does come off as somebody who gen you know he comes off as the kind of cop who wants to keep his neighborhood clean and you know wants to 
uh, eliminate crime, and maybe he's a little more hardline than he needs to be. But at the end of the day, you know, he is doing this for the right reasons. He is not being corrupt. He, you know, those kind of and, things. And he's he's a much more interesting character than the alliance is evil. And we're yeah. Gonna- well, I, you know, I think, I mean, it's hard to talk about as well because we are, we've already seen characters come back. We've seen Nishka come back. We've seen Yolanda Saffron, yeah. Bridget come back. And Badger. S- Badger. So, you know, maybe this guy would have come back at some point. Maybe they were going to yeah. go somewhere with this. You know, I think I look at this episode and I think, okay, here are, here's a character that is, is kind of just coming out of, you know, a, a kind of understanding of, of, police work that is very Hollywood and it's all oh, there's bad cops and they're doing all these crazy things for no reason. And I don't know what this guy's motivation is really. Yeah, I, I, that, I gotta my, be honest. I was problem with it. It's like, I don't, I wasn't entirely sure if he was a cop or not through the entire episode. Obviously this is that and he, the, the, the way I, part of it might just be because I wasn't entirely clear on the mechanics of the plot. But my understanding is that, Tracy gets involved with these organ smugglers and he does this, you know, weird thing where he's, you know, he gets yeah. his insides with, you know, Jeanette, you know, with super organs. He's done this a couple of times and then he decides to cross his, uh, and so this guy who was working his day job as a cop is organ smuggling on the side or running that ring, I guess, is what's happening. And, and now, now that Tracy has gone AWOL, he's basically taking a few weeks off of his police job and is, you know, going off on the side. Well, it, it, I, was I mean, that, I think that's what it, ha- what it had. Well, a couple, a couple corrections there. I think that, that Tracy had not done this before. And okay. also that, you know, in, in a universe where you have cops that are patrolling sectors of space, I don't really know what it means to take time off. I think that he probably yeah. has so much leeway that he can just go off and do what he wants to do. Yeah, because it's implied... Which is what part it, of the point, again, of course, yeah. because one of the things about Firefly is that, you know, once you get outside of the central planets, mm. things are much looser. So a, a police officer, a cop, a fed, whatever you want to call him, you know, going off and running his own thing and being a corrupt police officer is, is you know, part par for the course for the show... I just don't know. You know, I look at this character again and I say, what is this guy's motivation? What is he getting out of this? And what is his end game here? And I don't know that the show has an answer for that. It's just he's an evil mafia corrupt cop who wants money. Right. Is that that, it? That feels a little little unearned. You know, that feels kind of unsatisfying. Again, compare that to Niska who will torture his, his wife's cousin because he talks too much at dinner. Like that, that's an interesting villain. This is not. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. but again, you know, Which, again, I, I but, don't... but what I guess I came from this episode remembering was I didn't really like the character of Tracy. I didn't really like the villain. At the same time, what this reveals about the war, about the backstory, about Jane, I really like it for those reasons. Well, I think I want to talk about all the stuff that's, the ma- because that's good about the episode. It's an but extraordinarily I, thematically strong episode. But, but yes. I do want to challenge you on you not liking Tracy because I think that's part of the point. Yeah. I, I don't think you're supposed to like him. And I think that he's kind of a fuck up. He's kind of an idiot. Yeah. He's no one that anybody really remembered or cared about. The only reason why Zoe and Mal seem to have any sort of loyalty or or feelings of completion for this guy is because they feel like they fought together and that gives them a sort of bond and they need well, to take it was care a, of him. You know, we, the, the word crew is used in uh, this show, but 
if, if we if if this show had been set during the war, they probably would have said platoon in the same exact way. He's part of their platoon, so he has to be, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and so I think that that's really you know that the character of Tracy again is not all that interesting, but I think that he's he's a vehicle for telling mm-hmm. a story about loyalty, telling a story about the war, and you know, revealing a little bit more of what their life was like before they were on the the surrender. Yeah. Yeah, the way that we uh, – I, I, I guess do we want to go into that direction then? Let's talk about the – I'm not – again, knowing that the war stuff doesn't really come to a conclusion is one thing. But it is very interesting seeing – you know, the, the way that Zoe is characterized, the way she is initially a very – when she comes in extraordinarily cold, stealthy, you know, she's invested all her points into dexterity and, you know, stealth, and she's, you know, we can picture her creeping around. Which is, which is funny you say that because uh, Tracy's parents at the end of the episode are dressed like Final Fantasy characters. That is true. Um, <laughs> and, then, you know, that, that one scene where, you know, she's trying to teach him, you know, Battlefield is about don't let the enemy know your position, and then, of course, Mal is coming charging in, and, you know, he's this big, loud berserker type. It's, you know— Getting more of a sense of their dynamic during the war and especially knowing how Zoe has evolved in the past, you know, since then. Again, when he's saying, oh, Zoe's married, you know, does she ever smile? Those kind of things. We know who Zoe is now and – I don't know. Do we? That is fair, you know. But we we know that she's certainly much softer than – Tracy's understanding of her in the war is. I mean, to my knowledge, we don't get a Zoe episode, right? Uh, war Stories was the closest yeah, to one, yeah. So, you know, I, I, well, that's a side issue. But yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's one of those things where I look at this episode and I say that all of the pieces are there, but it just, it kind of doesn't add up. I mean, it's not that hmm. I didn't like it. I did like it. And I think that it, again, the the criticisms you have of it do make sense to me. But, you know, I, I challenge you a little bit on the Tracy stuff. But yeah. You know, it's one of those things where I, I look at it and I say, I don't really know what the point of this version of this story is. Yeah. It's, I, I, I there might have been a more interesting way to take it. And I don't want to get into like a thing where we're trying to fix the episode. But, you know, I, Tracy not being dead. I mean, I d- didn't remember this episode, yeah. but I kind of saw that coming a mile away. I mean, there's really no other way for the episode to go. And, you know, the Kaylee inside. I mean, what's really good about the episode and I think what, what made me, uh, uh, you know, now that we're getting towards the end of the, the 14 episode run of Firefly, you know, what, what is making me sad that the show did, you know, kind of meet an untimely end is that the, the, the characters are starting mm. to gel. They and, know each other very well. And I mean, the I actors love, work very well together. Yeah. And I love that scene at the beginning where they're all looking at the cow fetus. Simon Simon and Kaylee are adorable and you know there are things about the episode that are very well constructed you know of course they start out with Kaylee and Simon having this nice little weird romantic moment and then you know Simon fucks it up because he's awkward and strange and then at the end of the episode they hold hands so that's kind of a nice little you know connection there you know I like Wash coming in and just kind of being goofy and Zoe is like okay whatever (laughs) you know you know Jane with the goofy hat and the letter I mean it all kind of works I mean I love the Jane stuff in this episode there I never completely paid attention to the letter that he reads because you know mostly you're focused on the hat and oh Jane got a letter from his mom but there's, it's a really sad letter. There's that very tell, yeah. There's that very telling line, you know. Thanks for sending the credits home. You know, Maddie still has the dry cough or something like that. 
So yeah, now you get a sense of Jane is part of the reason for Jane's greed almost seems to be the more money he can send home, the better care he can get for his brother yeah, and the better life he can give to his mom. And that's a little weirdly adorable. And it's also a nice connection and contrast with Tracy. I think. Yes. You know, yes. Because of course Tracy is, is a huge fuck up. Tracy is trying to kind of be a Jane, mm. but he's obviously not good at it. And he ends up dying at the end of the episode and, and devastating his parents. Whereas yeah. Jane seems to, you know, Jane is certainly not the most intelligent person in the world, but he's but not, J- he's Jane not is smart stupid. enough to realize that he's stupid. Yeah, exactly. That, and, and I think, after, as we said, after the events of Ariel, yeah, uh, he's realized he he has such a line he has to cross, but he he is finally submissive to Mal in a way. And of course, that's the you know that is the the um, you know part of the the Jane stuff is just to reveal a little bit more about his character and who he is and yeah. where he comes from. But part of it also is to kind of connect with the with the Tracy stuff. And you know, yeah. in, in, in you know, Jane is sending money home for his his family and his sister and these kind of things. And isn't that nice? You know, his mother sends him this goofy hat. You know, yeah, it's, at which he's wearing the entire episode and. There but, are but very, says this, this, something very well. The scenes where he takes it off become very significant when they're all looking at the coffee and he takes the hat off at the very end of the episode. So there are these. Uh, it, it, it's very. It's excellent prop use. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, well, the fact that he takes the hat off, of course, is because it's a funeral. But but but, but I, that but, he takes the hat off, there is a version of Jane that wouldn't have given enough of a shit. Well, I think that we haven't seen Jane in that context before, and I think that. Yeah. The show is slowly starting to humanize him in a way and, and show that he was raised right, quote unquote. Yeah. And also the fact that he wears the hat throughout the episode is indicative of, I think, the the feelings and the relationship he has with his mother yeah. as well. What I've, I, the scene with him and Book when uh, you know Jane's apologizing for interrupting him and he's saying, you know, whenever people – whenever there's someone – whenever I see death – I don't know, I feel the urge to work out or, you know, find a woman or eat something. And, you know, Book is saying, oh, that makes complete sense. You know, Jane's reaction to death is to, because Jane, again, Jane is getting a lot of self-awareness. I don't know if this was always in him. Uh, it, it It is part of the reason he screws over his original boss to go with Mal and part of the reason that informs his reaction post-Ariel. But, Jane is self-aware. Jane knows the like kind of life he lives. Jane has a very good idea of how he's going to die, and he, he it is an interesting that he is espousing the. I, I I I guess going back to that theme of these are people seeing the void and what are their reactions and Jane's void is to just cling to the earthy stuff of life even more. Again, he he's he is getting his primal urges filled, and you know that that's life to him. And I, I guess Tracy is the dark mirror of that. Tracy, in the in some ways, reminds me of Reavers. And they also both have women names, by the way. That's true. Jane is a girl's name. <laughs> um, but going from going to from the bushwhack conception of Reavers, which is that these are people who have seen the horrors of space. Sure. Whether that is, you know, going to the void, seeing, you know, having your entire crew torch, whatever, you know, you see something so traumatic that you just go into crazy mode and lash out. Sure. That's kind of what happens to Tracy in this. He sees the horrors of the war. He, he's obviously dealing with some massive PTSD from this. Yeah. And he's, 
you know, he's unable to connect with people the way obviously that Mal and Zoe got over their traumas from the war was through each other and through their connections with the rest of the crew. And they found very healthy ways of getting over. Tracy was unable to do these things and he lashes out against everybody who's around him in a very, uh, you know, primal way. And he he is a very sad character. No, he is. And I think that you really see that in the scene, you know, in the cockpit when, He's pointing the gun at everybody and, and, you know, Mal is saying, look, we're going to do this, you know, call them. And, yeah. you know, it's it's a really sad moment because we know that Mal is not going to sell Tracy out because we've seen him over the past 11 yeah. episodes. However, what what the sad part is, is that Tracy has been in very, very dramatic, you know, life changing circumstances with Mal and doesn't know him and doesn't know that he's a loyal person and that he would never turn Tracy over to this guy. And it's almost a failure of ability to, we've, we've said that Mal is an excellent judge of character and this is almost an inability to read Tracy. I think about in the pilot, for example, when, you know, he's saying when, when Kaylee is shot and Simon basically, you know, he knows Simon is never going to let Kaylee die. He he can see that. He can see that Simon is going to do the right thing. Sure. And so he thinks that Tracy is going to be able to be talked down because that trust would go both ways. It's it's a very sad blind spot. But I, this episode shows a lot of things going unsaid. After they hear the message, you know, wash wash instantly without being prompted. Just go goes to change the course. Uh Anar is very quick, you know, he's starting to, oh, I know, and, you know, it's fine, you know, every every single person on, you know, the second they hear the destination yeah. knows that it's going to happen. The crew is able to communicate almost with, you know, is able to communicate wordlessly. And I guess that shows why, you know, Book's suggesting, you know, we need to call the officer. Everyone instantly knows, all right, Book, is go- Book has a connection here. Book has a string he's going to pull. He's going to get us out of this. So that's the right thing to do. And, and they yeah. almost expect Tracy to be on that life on on that wavelength. It's well, again, he's not as smart as any of them, and he's not on he's not on the crew. And that's yeah. just, it's it, it is a very tragic episode. It is. Well, it's, it comes down to Tracy's inability to trust, essentially. Yeah, you know, and and also trusting the wrong people. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a two pronged yeah. sort of problem that he has. Well, I do want to talk about Book a little bit because you know we we've, we've talked a little bit about Book, and I, I you know Book is one of those characters that obviously has mysterious past. He doesn't really pull any strings in this episode. I think he just he, kind of uses his he, he, reasoning he, skills and his deduction skills to say what's going on here. Yeah, his position allows him to read the situation for realizing that he actually does. That, you know. This guy does not have the might of the alliance against him at this particular moment. It's just him and two other guys, really. Book is an intriguing character, but I don't know how much we can really talk about him because, again, we haven't gotten a book episode. We don't know that much about him. And he's kind of just mysterious and all-powerful. Yeah. Well, he's also religious, so I guess that makes sense. But maybe he's God. I don't know. Oh, he could be God. (laughs) <laughs> what does God need with a firefly? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, it's, I don't know, the whole episode, the more I talk about it, it's one of those episodes where I like I like it more and I dislike it more. Yeah, I guess, and I guess that's part of, again, when I said this isn't one of my favorite episodes, that I, I, I think you're starting to see where I'm at on it, because it is such a, it's two-thirds of an amazing episode, and... 
especially given the past few episodes that we've had, you know, war stories and trash were phenomenal episodes, yeah. and this isn't, which is sad. Well, hopefully Joss Whedon doesn't write any more of the episodes. Oh, oh, Eric. Oh, Eric. I don't like the sound of that. I do like where Inara is going at the beginning when they're, t- you know, Mal is talking about how he actually can't fence the Laster after all because it's too famous in a way. And I, I do like the moment when they do think that the officer is after them for the Laster. Yeah. Like they, they, they have very hot goods on this ship. Uh, Inara wants to use her connections because she probably can fi- – she probably does know the right person to ask who would privately buy this. Uh, and that line that Mal says, just because you held on the job doesn't mean you're a crook. And it's interesting how she wants to be a little more involved in the in the business, you know, because this is something – again, it, it, it seems like something different and interesting and fun for her to do. Though, though I think Mal is correctly viewing that she might see this as a little more of a game than it kind of is. Well, it's not her real life. Yeah, that's and, true. And, 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 also, and as he's, you know, there is that bit where he's saying, you know, if the con- you know the consequences would lead to you losing everything about, you know, you'd be kicked out of the Companions Guild. Basically, I wonder if she cares though. I mean, the the thing that I'm well, starting to yeah. realize about Inara is that she might be bored. Of course, I think she is. You know, I, I, her job is her job doesn't seem like it challenges her very much, and she's probably bored, and so yeah. that's why. I mean, you know, well, that's you, you going can, with the going with the female counselor from the other uh, other week, yeah, where, where she's saying, you know, I like someone I can relax on. I mean, that is probably a seducing a man for Anara is nothing at this point. It's something she does every day. She's very good at it, so. You know, dealing with the counselor is a different experience. Again, something new, something interesting. And so, yeah, maybe she – and I guess that's the – it's an interesting development in that, you know, Mal knows that Inara can lose a lot from helping out on these things. Right now she does still have some vague plausible deniability, but um, she – he 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 doesn't want her to lose her life. At the same time, she does point out, "Well, you don't really like the fact that I'm in a companion." You know, it's I don't know. I there- I, I can kind of see that if the show had gone on, Inara might have eventually decided to to quit. Yeah. And, and, you know, become a crime lord or something. I mean, I don't know. You know, one of the things about Joss Whedon shows, of course, is that the characters do change in pretty fundamental yeah. ways. And so we don't, you know, we can't really, I mean, we could speculate where they were going, but we're probably yeah. wrong. I mean, a later season might have dealt with the Companions Guild. You know, right now, there's been only stuff that we've been able to read between the lines of it. And I will say the fact that we are able to read so much between the lines does suggest how... I guess well thought out this backstory was. It, it does feel like, you know, they have the answers or they at least have the direction to go with it even if they don't have time to deal with it. Yet. I think that they probably have uh, maybe not backstory, but I think they, they have kind of a structure of the world. Yes. And, you know, if they didn't know where the show was going to go, then they're pretty good at fi- figuring out what they're going to do, yeah. I think. Yeah, at this, but I, I, I guess it's safe to say at this point they have an idea of how big the Companions Guild is, for example, how many companions then again, there are. Ma- then again, maybe not. I yeah. mean, who knows? I mean, if you look at like the first season of Buffy and where that went. Yeah, I that's mean, true. They had some you know vague allusions to a Watcher's Guild and you know stuff like that, but I don't know that Joss Whedon really had any sort of idea about what that was going to become. That's true. So it, it's hard to say either way. Yeah. 
Either way, um, I, we're we're going back to this old theme of this show was squandered potential, and it's it's sad. <laughs> yeah, just well, as Tracy is squandered potential, <laughs> and it's sad. I will say one of the behind the scenes thing, uh, the everybody found the announcement that the show was being canceled. They found that out kind of the day they filmed the final funeral scene. So, you know, everybody is very genuinely bummed out at that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, and I guess, I guess we should also mention too, I mean, we didn't mention this last week, but but starting last week, these these last four episodes, or these last three episodes, sorry, uh, Trash next week, uh, sorry, Trash, The Message, next week we're talking about Heart of Gold. Um, those three episodes were not aired until like six months later. Wow. So no one even saw these episodes when they aired really. Uh, but weirdly enough, the last episode was aired in December. I don't know why, but anyway. another reason why Fox just kind of squandered this show. Speaking of the last episode, remember if you asked if there were any more weed and Raiden episodes? I looked, yeah. It's a doozy! And I know that the movie's also written by him. It's right? a doozy, too! I remember the movie, sort of. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. All right, well, if you have any thoughts on the squandered potential Firefly or this episode, The Message, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. We have a Patreon if you enjoy our podcasting endeavors, including our other podcast, the four-year-long-running Trekabout. Please go to patreon.com slash trekaboutshow and find out how you can give. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tuning In Show. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for tuning in we would appreciate it and so would richard i love you you love me or you love them well both oh, i that's just nice. have i'm full of love you're man. full of love that's because i have a genetically modified heart that beats twice as fast and loves twice as much we're getting to the end of firefly Aww. we've got three episodes left so next week we're talking about heart of gold the mac why do you <laughs>